Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now, here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. In today's Follower Friday, we hear outtakes from Matt Beaton, SVP of Renewable Energy and Emerging Technologies and former Secretary of Energy and Environmental Affairs for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Matt discusses offshore wind, hydroelectric power, and policies on episode 131 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. If you like what you hear in this short outtake from Matt, you can hear this original podcast on our website, eRenewable.com. Click The Green Insider tab, episode 20. But before we get to Matt, a quick word from eRenewable CEO, Mike Niemer. Mike Niemer here, CEO of eRenewable. We know today, whether you're a public company, private equity, or a privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. And without further ado, Mr. Matt Beaton. So reliability becomes that much more of an issue. That takes uh, investment. Investment in new technologies to clean up the grid takes uh, you know, money and, and takes a lot of effort. So we, and we, because we were sort of at the literal end of the pipeline, our existing baseline of where we were beginning provided us with uh, the, the luxury of having some of the most expensive energy in, in, the, in the nation. So we had to be very, very mindful of uh, balancing smart policy that advanced this as quickly as we could, uh, that balanced the reliability needs to make sure we kept the lights on and did it in a way that did not have dramatic ratepayer uh, impacts. So that was probably the biggest challenge of, uh, you know, and then there's different advocacy groups surrounding each one of those and balancing all of those interests and trying to make everybody happy was impossible, but uh, you sought out to do your best to uh, try to find a solution that advanced the cause as quickly as you could in an affordable manner. And Governor Baker in 2016 signed, uh, you know, what, what really kicked off the offshore wind industry in the United States and the first procurement of offshore wind through our, uh, our public utilities. Um, we had some of the most expensive or, uh, you know, it depends what side of it is, expensive to the ratepayer, but most lucrative uh, solar uh, incentive programs in Massachusetts that uh, ha- was unnecessary to have it be so, so lucrative. So we came up with a, a, a smart plan, a declining block program in Massachusetts for our, you know, and basically rethought our, our solar policy. We maintained our leadership uh, in being the number one state in energy efficiency, looking at that as probably the best bang for your buck in, in carbon reductions in our energy efficiency programs, or it's best in class in the, in, in the nation. Uh, we also looked to our neighbors to the north and trying to import large amounts of available resources like um, hydroelectricity from Quebec and Hydro-Quebec uh, as probably the most cost-effective to, to, uh, way for us to deliver uh, bulk clean energy into our region. Uh, so we, we you know, put an effort forward to um, work with our partner states in the, in, to the north of us and, and, and Canada and, uh, and import some of that technology and come up with new innovative ways like a clean peak standard and incentivize and recognize that some of the high cost of energy that we were um, uh, exposed to in, in New England was given by that, uh, th- those, those, those last um, generating assets that would turn on 
and 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 how that would sort of set a high uh, fuel cost for everybody else in the bid stack. So how do we go at that peak demand? How do we lower peak demand and, and, and alleviate some of the strain and then the subsequent high cost of energy that that would end up uh, delivering on, particularly on those really cold or really warm days uh, that we have in New England? One of the biggest challenges is, you know, an age-old uh, acronym of, of NIMBYism, right? Everybody wants renewable energy. Everybody wants a cleaner environment, but nobody wants any of the stuff that requires it to happen anywhere near them. And that is playing itself out. You think it would disappear. Nobody wants a, you know, a, a incinerator next to their house, right? But, you know, people don't want a transmission line next to their house. People don't, you know, people don't want any of that infrastructure you know, for good or bad, right? For so, like, you know, I, I don't have one over my house, so I can't, I can't opine on that conversation. Um, so I, I don't know what it's like, but it is, it is going to be the reality is it's going to be one of the biggest challenges. And we saw that play out with, um, uh, with uh, our pursuit of hydroelectricity and the resistance uh, by environmental groups. Um, so you have environmental groups arguing against things that would allow for the import of an existing renewable resource. Uh, clean carbon-free resource, and same same with with offshore wind. When you look at all of the challenges of getting the generation and thinking of the history of how we have come to know electricity, we all flip on our lights and have a million gadgets and gizmos flying around us, powering electricity. We don't think about where that comes from. That historically centralized generation, run it through a transmission system into the distribution right to our house, and bam, we have our lights. Well, now we're flipping that all on its head, and we're moving it into a more distributed energy. We, you know, we've got much more localized rooftop and you know, much smaller um, uh, uh, scale uh, re- renewable resources. But then we have the much larger uh, utility scale uh, projects, like whether it's you know a large solar field or a wind uh, wind field or hydroelectricity from Canada, wherever it may be. Those where are those those electrons are being generated at those locations are, are more often than not, much more often than not, not located anywhere near the load center that they're trying to serve. So you need to get them from point A to point B. And right now, what we're doing is, you know, the most, you know, everybody, it's a business, everybody's trying to do their project in the most profitable way possible. You're going to go to the point of interconnect and the closest that, that needs the least amount of infrastructure investment. And we're plucking a lot of that low hanging fruit with what we're doing today, which is the right place to be. But once we get beyond that, the constraints and the bottlenecks that are going to occur from getting the electrons from where we need them from point A to point B when we need them is going to be probably the single greatest challenge that uh, renewable energy development will face, whether it's getting it in from the ocean, getting it up from Canada, getting it from, you know, the, you know, the, the plain states to, to wherever it is you're trying to get it from point A to point B, we're really going to be um, facing some challenges um, in the years and decades ahead as we continue to build more and more renewables. Thank you, Matt. Again, to hear Matt's original podcast, you can go to eRenewable.com or listen wherever you get your podcast from. From the Gow Media Studios in Houston, home of ESPN 97.5 and Sports Map Radio, I am Mike Niemer. And I'm Greg Frank, host of the Green Insider Podcast powered by eRenewable. We hope you all enjoyed today's Follower Friday and enjoy your weekends.